welcome to the weekly podcast for City Chapel at Slaughter Creek, the world's okayest church, right here in Austin. Get to know us better at citychapelchurch.com. We're so glad that you joined us today and hope you enjoy the message. Um, let's have, if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to it. I'm finding my Bible right now on my phone. Um, if you have a Bible, let's look at Mark chapter 3. <clears throat> We're going to start at verse um, 7. And if you don't have a Bible, we'll have it up on the screen. But um, I do encourage just following along on your own. And then this way you can, you'll have the spot this week for you to continue reading and um, just see what, see what God's going to tell us today through his word. This is an odd passage. <laughs> so um, anyway, we'll We'll see. I'll, I'll, I'll try, to make it, try to make it quick. Um, and, and again, my iPad uh, works perfectly fine all week long until it comes time for preaching. Something, it just freezes. It's just so weird. All right. Well, if it, luckily I got a phone. So verse 7 <clears throat> says, but Jesus withdrew. I know I'm not going to get far if I stop after three words. But that is pretty important. <clears throat> Actually, this is one of 11 times in the Gospel of Mark that Mark says that Jesus withdrew. Um, the, we've already covered one of those back in chapter 1. Jesus withdrew to a solitary place to pray. I think it would be actually interesting. I was telling Roe last night. It would be fascinating to take all 11 of the times in which Jesus withdrew and do like an 11-week sermon series on it because he, <laughs> that's going to come after the Gospel of Mark. So it's, it's going to be awesome. We're already getting ideas. Um, yes, yeah, this, this is going to be 2028. This is 2029, 2028, something like that. Um, it would just be fascinating because he withdrew for different reasons. And as Americans, we really struggle with this. It's so hard for us to withdraw. It's so hard for us to find a solitary place to pray because we're so busy. And so busyness is killing us. And that's why I really think looking at the 11 different times, Mark is like really pretty major on this. 11 different times he tells us that Jesus withdrew. And last time in Mark chapter 1, he withdrew to a solitary place in order to pray. This time he withdraws because of what happened in the verse previous to this. So if you, if you scroll ahead, we don't have it on screen, but in verse 6 it says that the Pharisees went out and immediately began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill him. And they're doing this because Mark is building this, this, this story of a clash between Jesus and the religious leaders. The clash starts off uh, around the idea and the concept of Sabbath. Right? And so uh, in uh, chapter 2, the, the, the religious leaders hit Jesus with the, with the uh, I, don't, I don't know what you want to call it. Maybe, maybe we could call it the corn, uh, the, the corn accusation. Right? Jesus and his disciples are walking through a, a, a field of, of wheat and some of them are grabbing kernels of corn from there and they're breaking it off and, they're, and they're, they're eating it. And they say, hey, wait a minute, it's on the Sabbath, you shouldn't be doing that. And so Jesus deals with that at the end of chapter 2. And then chapter 1, Jesus is in the synagogue on the Sabbath. And so we talked about this last week. Uh, if you missed, that is actually online. It's on, it's on the archives on our website. You can listen to it. I talked about how Jesus, when he is in his house on his day... 
he does some very specific things. One, he calls people who are in the back to step forward. He calls people who are on the sidelines to step up. He calls people who are in the shadows to step out. And so Jesus does all of this, and it so infuriates the religious leaders that they immediately begin plotting with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. And Jesus, after that, it is so interesting in verse 7, starts with the word, but... But Jesus withdrew. In other words, there's a contrast between the way that you might think he would act and the way he is acting. I found that to be true mostly with God almost all the time. The way I would expect him to act, he acts very different because he is very different from us. Say, this is what happens for us as soon as we come in, as soon as we reach conflict, as soon as we hit conflict, sometimes we allow the conflict to confuse us with regard to our calling and we'll spend so much time running around trying to clear up the conflict you know we'll spend so much time trying to clear up the conflict that we'll forget why we were actually called to begin with so Jesus withdraws and Roe Ro said this last night so I can't take credit for this the first time he withdrew to pray this time he withdrew to preserve his purpose come on somebody we got the p and pray we got the preserve and purpose double p she's been married to a preacher for a little while because that's just how i help it helps me remember things this time he withdraws to preserve his life it's so interesting most of us we'd be like well no, no, no. i need to go explain myself to the pharisees and to make sure they know that i'm not a bad guy I need to go explain myself to the Herodians. Those Pharisees are telling bad tales about me. And I don't think they know that I'm really innocent. And I'm, this, like, this is all legit. This is all good. No, he doesn't even. Look, you don't have to engage in every battle. <laughs> you don't have to put gloves on every time an enemy enters the ring. Sometimes you need to withdraw. Sometimes you need to step back and say, wait a minute, is this connected to my calling or is this a distraction from my calling? And for Jesus, he's not called to convince Pharisees that he is the Lord of the Sabbath. He is called to be the Lord of the Sabbath and to exercise that authority. The Sabbath means rest. He is the, the God of rest. He is called to show people what that looks like. And let me tell you, what it does not look like is running around trying to defend yourself. <laughs> you cannot say you are at rest and you're also worried about your reputation. That's not how that works. Because rest, in, in, in scripture, rest doesn't mean that you're not doing anything. Rest is not inactivity. Rest can be very busy. Rest can be very fruitful. Rest can mean that you hit your head on the pillow at night and you are zonked out because you are tired from ministering, from praying for, from, from helping people. Rest can be, can be uh, uh, busy. But the thing is, rest is coming from a place of confidence. It's not what you do or don't do or how many minutes you do it. It is where are you doing it from? Are you, do, are you walking from a place of peace? Are you walking from a place of confidence? This is what rest means. And so for Jesus to run around and try to convince other people that he is actually who he says he is, he would be demonstrating the opposite of what he is. He is the Lord of the Sabbath. He is the Lord of rest. He is the Lord of peace. He is the Lord of confidence, quiet, 
confidence, gentle rest. So nobody had to tell Jesus, wait, 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 wait. No, because he knew. Now we, we need told. So we can learn from the word of God, right? So it says that Jesus withdrew. So I'm just, I'm just telling you, some of you need to withdraw. Back up. You don't have to enter into every chat. You don't have to get in every Slack. You don't have to get every comment section of every Facebook post. Just, just, back, just back up. Back, back that thing up a little bit, all right? You, you don't have to be up in everybody's business. Anyway, Jesus withdrew, so you should too. There you go. It rhymes. Give me a dime. <laughs> Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the sea, and a great multitude from Galilee followed him, and from Judea, and Jerusalem, and Edomia, and beyond the Jordan, and those from Tyre and Sidon. A great multitude when they heard how many things he was doing came to him. This is fascinating to me. Mark is, um, Mark is a little bit annoying to me. I was telling Roe about this the other day. As I'm preaching through Mark, I am, I'm trying to only read Mark as I preach through it. And it's really, really hard because Mark is my least favorite gospel. In a lot of ways. Now, there's certain things that Mark brings out that I just love. But most of the time, Mark, which was written by Mark, who uh, historically, um, is, is, according to Eusebius, was the translator, the assistant of the apostle Peter, when Peter went to Rome to plant a church after Jesus had risen from the dead and the church had been, had been filled with the Holy Spirit and the book of Acts, so many awesome things happening. Well, Peter went to Rome and he planted a church in Rome and he needed a translator. And so his translator is a man named Mark. And Eusebius says that the gospel of Mark was written because when Peter was about to leave that church, after several years, he was about to leave that church, the people in his church said, would you, they begged him to leave behind a written manuscript of what he had been teaching so that they could go over it again and again and again and again. And so Eusebius says that that's how the Gospel of Mark was written, that Peter sat down with his translator Mark and started from the beginning and shared the story that he had been preaching basically every Sunday that he built this church on, which is why it's kind of cool that actually the early church, the church in Rome, they would just take the Gospel of Mark and they would read it. Like they would show up on Sunday, we're gonna sing, we're gonna baptize new members, we're gonna pray over babies, and then we're gonna read the Gospel of Mark. And for them, though, 2,000 years ago, it made a lot more sense than it does to us, which is why I kind of have to slowly piecemeal our way through it. Because we read some of this stuff and it doesn't instantly click because we literally, I don't know where Edumia is. Right? I mean, do you, you've been to Edumia lately? Like... I don't know where Edumia is. I don't even know necessarily where Galilee is in relation to Judea. Like, we're, like, so are we talking like Texas versus America or are we talking like, like, like New Braunfels versus San Marcos? Is this a different city? Is this a different state? Is this a different country? Are, are there ethnic differences involved in here? Are these people that color and those people this color? Like, what is Mark talking about? Why is he going on and on, basically? This is what frustrated me. Why are we, why, why, why am I reading this? 
Because, because Mark, he's like, he's like action man, you know? Like he blazes through Mark chapter 1. Jesus gets baptized, boom, comes up out of the water. You have the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. That's cool. He covers that detail, thankfully. And then he says Jesus went into the wilderness. And he was with the animals, he says. And he was hungry because he wasn't eating. And he was tempted by the devil. And then he came back out. Now, all I can say is thank God we have the Gospel of Matthew and Luke to fill us in on those details. Can you imagine if we only had the Gospel of Mark and we're like, so Jesus was tempted by the what? Who? The devil? How does that work? We would have, we would have so many arguments, so many philosophical things set up in seminaries all around the world about the, the possible 15 temptations that, that Satan led, you know, led, led to Jesus. But I mean, Mark just doesn't care about the details, man. Like literally we're reading, I mean, he's already, Jesus is already through like, 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 like two-thirds of his ministry at this point in Mark chapter 3, and we've yet to hear like a full coherent sermon. Where's his teaching? Like, come on, man. Don't you, Peter, don't you remember any of this stuff? I mean, weren't you taking notes? No, he wasn't taking notes. He was too busy trying to figure out whose ear he's going to cut off and who he's going to, like, and, and so it's like, like me and Peter, the apostle, we wouldn't have gotten along very well, I don't think, because I'm a details guy. I love details. It, but like some people just don't like like Ro like if you ask Ro what her favorite song is she'll start humming some tune like we'll be we'll be in the car and we'll be singing along to some song and I'm like baby you think it says that like why would it say that I don't know I never pay attention to the words I just like the music and I'm like no the words are important like they're kind of there for a reason I'm a details guy Ro is not as much of a details person Peter's not a details person. He just skips over all kinds of what I think are really important details. And so it's been hard for me preaching through it because I have to get into Peter's brain. I have to get into Mark's mindset. Ooh, come on, somebody, the Mark mindset. I, had to, I, had to, I have to get into it. And now I'm confused because Mr. No Details is listing cities that people are apparently coming to Jesus from. Couldn't he have just said a whole bunch of people came out to where Jesus was and then some cool stuff happened and then Jesus taught this and this and this like let's get to the good stuff. No, he spends a bunch of real estate describing cities these people are coming from and so anyway that got me to pull up old maps right and biblical maps and you can find these and you can look and and so just to give you an idea I don't have it on the screen so if you want to look at the maps you need visual learners you, you need to figure this one out by yourself. I'm not a visual learner. I'm an audio learner. So this is how it works. It says right off the multitude came from Galilee. Galilee is the region, the entire region that Jesus has been in. So he probably has never even left Galilee yet, except to dip down to Jerusalem, which is in the next large region, which is Judea. And so it says that the multitude came from Galilee and from Judea. So Judea and Galilee are major regions. And Galilee is a region to the left or to the west of the Sea of Galilee, all right? That's why it's called the Sea of Galilee, because it takes up about half of the Sea of Galilee. It's this massive region. Several of the towns and the cities that we've been reading about in Mark, this is where Jesus does like 90% of his ministry is here in Galilee. And so people are coming from Galilee, but people are also coming from Judea, which is farther south. And Judea is more Jewish and more um, strict Jewish. Galilee is more Jews who, it's, it's, it's where Nazareth was. 
They're Jews who are semi-observant, but they don't necessarily uh, keep all of the law. They don't necess- they're, not, they're not uptight about it. This is the South Austin. <laughs> Galilee is the South Austin of the ancient world. You know, it's like they got rules, but sort of, and they sort of keep them. And they sort of work with, with what they got, the less, lower socioeconomic status, less cash. Judea, however, has the more wealthy Jews, the people who are better off. They're the owners of businesses. This is Westlake, you know. This is, and so what Mark is saying is, is like, man, they had regular folk coming, and he had some rich people coming. He had like, like blue-collar people, and then he also had some, some white-collar people, some people that were in charge of things. And then he gets more detailed, and this is just to let you know, he's, he's building a case, which he's going to deal with later on, actually. He's going to deal with this later on, but it's the case that that the religious leaders will become jealous of the crowd. So you, you don't see that yet, but that is going to be the thing. But in the meantime, before he tells you about the wrong way to respond to a crowd, he gives us Jesus' way to respond to the crowd. And I, so I just, I just love this. As I've been studying this, I see how Jesus deals with the crowd. It says right here that you had the Galileans, they're lower socioeconomic people, the Judeans, they're, they're higher socioeconomic people. And then it says, and Jerusalem. Now, Jerusalem was a city within Judea. Specifically, it was the city where the wealthiest people lived and the most holy people lived. Interesting, it's also where the Pharisees lived. (laughs) So Mark chapter 3 verse 6 says that the Pharisees went out to plot against him. And then Mark says, oh, by the way, people from Jerusalem, the people the Pharisees wanted... To like them. The people the Pharisees were working on. The people the Pharisees wanted their vote. The people, like, they came out to see Jesus. Isn't it interesting that when you withdraw from unnecessary conflicts, God will bring the very people that he wanted you to minister to in the first place. He'll get them to you anyway. Jesus didn't even go to Jerusalem at, the, in, at this moment. They came to him quite a distance and they didn't have cars and stuff I mean this is like 20 miles away they're 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 walking these rich people are walking (laughs) these 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 people are up on their donkeys they're they're getting pulled on carts it's not a comfortable journey these these religious people are walking there and, and, and they're coming from a long distance to see Jesus. And so we see that on one side, we see the, uh, the Galileans, the Judeans, and now Jerusalem people. But then it says, and Edomia. This is the only time in the entire New Testament that the word Edomia is even used. The city is not mentioned throughout the rest of scripture. But Edomia is mentioned in the Old Testament and it means Edom. And it's where uh, uh, Esau, you guys remember Esau, Jacob's brother. It's where Esau, it's the plot of land that Esau was given. So Esau is not a a son of Jacob, but he is a son. He's a son of Isaac, right? And he's the brother of Jacob or of Israel. And so he, even though they're not technically Israelites, they are kind of related through Abraham. And so they were given a plot of land right here known as Edomia, which which is the Greek transliteration for, for Edom. And get this, Herod the Great was <laughs> the, the, the Jews, remember the Pharisees, went out and plotted with the Herodians or the Herodians, the other Edomites. There were a lot of Herodians in Edomia. Mark says, hey, 
they're coming from Jerusalem, because that's where the Pharisees are. They're also coming from Edomia, because that's where the Herodians are. The very people who are plotting to kill Jesus from their own hometown are coming people who are hungry for Jesus. And this is what, this is what, this is what would have messed everything up if Jesus would have chased after the people that didn't like him. He would have missed the opportunity for all the people that were hungry for what he had. And so he withdraws and the Herodians come out to him. And then it says even beyond the Jordan, those from Tyre and Sidon, they're from the, the, the northwest even further. This is more of a Roman controlled area. These are probably not even Jews. These are people from, from a Roman province, <laughs> Gentiles like you and me. And this is, this is the crowd that's gathering around Jesus. Because why? Because they heard. By the way, that's how God is still gathering people today. When each one of us share with others the, quote, many things that he was doing. It's not some obscure Holy Spirit driving them. No, there's no secret to the way that God builds his church. He builds it from you and me sharing with people in Jerusalem, with people in Tyre and Sidon, with people in Westlake, with people in Southeast Austin, the many things that God has done. This is how his kingdom grows. This is how people who need him find him. God doesn't send out angels. He sends out people with mouths. <laughs> and they share the many things. So, it says, he told his disciples that a small boat should be kept ready for him because of the multitude, lest they should crush him. That's because if you're teaching from a beach and people are pressing in on you, you can actually create a little barrier by hopping in a boat and going out a good 30, 40 feet because there's now a moat around you. And uh, we're going to see this actually later on in the Gospel of Mark. Jesus does, in fact, teach from a boat um, because there's such a great crowd of people. You can still share with people. You can still teach. They can still hear you, but they're not going to smother you. And sometimes, sometimes God will do that. Sometimes God will back up because you so desperately want to touch, but he actually just wants to teach. Sometimes he'll back up just a little bit because he wants you to learn something in this. He wants to share a revelation with you about who he is, not just solve your problem right now. So anyway, he'll do that sometimes. So he tells the disciples, hey guys, get ready, get the boat ready. I might need to back up a little bit. I might need to withdraw again, this time into the sea for a whole nother reason, in order to teach, in order to bring a revelation. So it's not that he's trying to get away from people. He just wants to create a safe distance where he can do what he feels called to do. But look what happens. He healed many so that as many as had afflictions. That, that's, that, that's, that's as many. That's everybody who had afflictions pressed in about him in order to touch him. This is going to become important in Mark chapter 5. Because a woman, there's a woman with an issue of blood. And she says to herself, if I can just touch him, I know I will be made clean. It's probably because of this passage right here. She probably once again heard of how as many as touched him, they were immediately healed. And... And the unclean spirits or the evil spirits, whenever they saw him, fell down before him and cried out saying, you are the son of God. 
But he sternly warned them that they should not make him known. I know there's some people nowadays trying to argue that Jesus never claimed to be the Son of God. But that's a lie because multiple times he does. And right here in this passage, he tells the, the, the demons who are saying you're the Son of God, he doesn't say, hey, stop lying about me. He says, he says, don't make me known. Don't reveal who I am. So here he is agreeing that the demons are telling the truth. And if you, if you find that difficult to imagine why demons would tell the truth, you need to go back in the archives and listen to my other sermon about that. I, I covered that pretty well. The strategy of Satan to bring revelation to you before you're ready to receive it. Because he's still doing it today in order to discourage you. In order to beat you down and, believe, and make you believe you can never get to where you need to be. But Jesus doesn't do that. He gives us revelation at the level that we are ready to obey. And so he's shutting down demons. He's shutting up demons. And it says, in verse 13, it says, and, when, and, and then he went up onto the mountain and called to him those he himself wanted. And they came to him. Then he appointed twelve that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have power to heal sicknesses and cast out demons. This is who he appointed, Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, to whom he gave the name Boanerges, that is, sons of thunder. <laughs> I don't know if that was a compliment or not. But it is interesting that uh, James and John are also quoted later on in the Gospels as wanting to call down fire on people who rejected their message. So maybe he was on, Jesus was on to something. However, John, uh, the brother of James, would later be known in the early church as the disciple of love. He's the one who wrote 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. Little children, let us love one another, for love is of God. Anyone who loves is born of God and knows God, but whoever doesn't have love doesn't know God. It's amazing what the Holy Spirit will, how the Holy Spirit will change you. <laughs> Some things we've, asso we've assigned to our personality, it's really just our carnality. We need the Holy Spirit to change us. And that's what happens on the day of Pentecost. John goes from a son of thunder to an apostle of love. Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanite, and <laughs> Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. And they went into a house. I, 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 I know some people, they want to get out of their lives everybody who might hurt them. <laughs> but if that's the case, who's going to kill your flesh? Who's going to crucify? A good stab in the back will do more to kill your, your flesh than, uh, <laughs> than a lot of other good intentions you might have. And so Jesus keeps Judas along with, with him for the ride because Judas is important to his destiny. Stop trying to get rid of everybody who you think might hurt you. They, they might hurt you and that might actually be a good thing. They might tear down your flesh and help you rely on God. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. But anyway, I want to talk to you today, and my time is up. But luckily, luckily, I, I'm, I'm here every Sunday. So, so we'll, just, we'll just carry it over. But I do want to talk to you, and, and yeah, I am going to carry it over. Um, but I want to talk to you about from, from the multitudes to the mountain. 
Because I see in this passage, I see Jesus gathering the multitudes. So I'll start there. And then I guess next time I preach, I'll pick up with the mountain. But the multitude is, is something that, that Jesus cares about. We're going to see in the future passages that the, the Pharisees see the multitude as a validation of their ministry. That if they gather a multitude, that means their ministry is good. Jesus doesn't see the multitude as a validation of his ministry. He sees it as an opportunity for ministry. And so he sees the multitude and he actually sees the multitude. And so at City Chapel, I want to be a place that gathers a multitude. Not as a validation for ministry, but as an opportunity for ministry. That, that we would gather people from Galilee. That we would gather people from uh, Judea. That we would gather religious people. That we would gather irreligious people. That people from all walks of life and all socioeconomic backgrounds and all skin colors and all uh, creeds and all different belief systems would come together around the person of Jesus. Because Jesus has a way of bringing those people together. Not, not that he changes to align with them. But rather when they come into his presence, they change to align with him. They need what he has. They are desiring what he has. And the key for the multitude, if you're taking notes, the key for the multitude is um, self-motivation. If you notice within the multitude, the ones who were healed are the ones who reach out and touch Jesus. It doesn't say that anybody else was healed, but those that pressed through the crowd and got a hold of Jesus, they were healed. Now, this is going to be different than the mountain, so I'll get to the mountain later. But, uh, but, but the multi in the multitude, the, ish the question, the issue is hunger. The issue is how willing are you to abandon your socioeconomic background? How willing are you to abandon the way that you have done things? How willing are you to walk away, say from Jerusalem or from Tyre and Sidon or wherever you're from? How willing are you to set aside the way you used to perceive reality? And how willing are you to connect with Jesus and align with him? Because he's teaching right and so if you disagree with what he's saying you're not going to rush in and try to touch him so what mark doesn't say what a lot of the other gospels do say is what jesus is teaching he's teaching things like blessed are the poor in spirit and if you're from a religious background that's not going to jive with you because i want to be rich in spirit i want to be i want to i want to i want to be blessed and highly flavored I want to be anointed, never disappointed, you know. I want to be the, the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. I want to be, I want to be on top. I want to be, I want, I want a Jesus who will bless me. And Jesus says, look, the greatest blessing you could have is to realize that you are poverty stricken. You got nothing in the tank. Blessed are the poor in spirit spiritually poor my goodness blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven i'm going to for your emptiness i'm going to give you a kind of fullness that you cannot purchase with all of your religious exercises he's saying things like blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth how does that work with go out there and change your world? How does that work with go out there and let's get these liberals out of office? How does that work with, all right, with, with all of the ways in which we see power? 
I heard a preacher one time say that he would rather have one godly senator than a hundred pastors. And I said, well, you are the opposite of the way that God works. God would rather have a hundred godly people, just folks on the street, not even pastors, than one godly senator. Because the seat of power in America is not the Senate. It's not the House. It's not the White House. It's not even in Washington, D.C. The seat of power in America is the prayer closet. The seat of power in America is the throne of heaven. That is the seat of power. Don't you understand? Like this kingdom is going away. America is on its way out. All kingdoms are on their way out. This whole thing is about to get wrapped up. I mean, if you don't believe me, turn on the news, read something every once in a while. We are nearer the end than we have ever been. Now is not the time to worry about your business. Now is not the time to worry about your future. Now is not the time to worry about some socioeconomic plan that you have or some way that you believe the world should be governed. And, I, and I'm not saying withdraw and don't vote and do anything. I encourage you last week to vote. I think it's a good thing to vote. I think it's great. But my goodness, don't put your hope in it. This world is fading away. Everything's about to go back in the box. Now is not the time to have your 401k beefed up to the level you think it should be so that you can afford this and that and the other and live because you might not be alive any longer. The world is ending. Don't you know that this whole world is passing away with all of its governments, with all of its plans, with all of its, its riches, with all of its, 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 its value systems, with all of its sports, with all of its politics. It's all going away. And the multitude has left all of those things. We've left Jerusalem because what we need isn't there. We've left Tyre and Sidon because what we need isn't there. What we need is on the beach of Galilee. What we need is a man who is speaking truth, who is bringing power and anointing, who is touching people, casting out demons, bringing healing. Jesus is what we need. And so the multitude gathers around the person and capabilities and capacities of Jesus. We have left Herod. And the Herodians, we have left Edomia, we have left these other things that people are clinging to, and we have decided our help and our hope is not there. Our help and our hope is not coming from the hills. Our hope is from the Lord. We've stopped looking to the hills like everybody else. High places, see what we can sacrifice and how we can appease some kind of, no, 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 I need Jesus. And the world is shut up to Jesus. God has shut up the world. He has canceled everyone else. <laughs> he has canceled every other way. There is no other way except Jesus. And the multitude is leaving the Pharisees because their way is not the way. Jesus is the way. And so it's a matter of hunger. It's a matter of how, how badly do you want him. This is the key for the crowd. This is the method for the multitude, this is, this is how you receive from him. You say, great, how do I do that? Well, let me just, let me just give you a great example. A few weeks ago, uh, me and uh, Peter and John and Donna Bowser, we, we uh, got in the car early on a Sunday. To, to, we, we wanted to go to church, so we went to the, the, the first church of the Holy Sepulcher of the sacred heart of Jerry Jones. 
also known as the Dallas Cowboys Stadium. And uh, it's a beautiful cathedral. We wanted to pay homage to the one star God. And uh, we walked in and we got there an hour and a half early because we wanted to see all the flat screens, the TV screens uh, all over. We wanted to check them all out and we wanted to see different stuff and walk around. Them. And, uh, it, but, but they wouldn't let us, like they only let you walk, I don't know if you guys have been there, they only let you walk like halfway. The other halfway is reserved for people from Lakeway, like that's for them. Like they got, they got special little spots that they get to go in, we don't get to go in there. So we, we, we said hello, we waved from the security, the second security line we waved from there. And uh, we just turned around and we went back to, you know, the, where we belong. And uh, so we, we it, it, but, but, but there was, there's thousands of people. This is Sunday morning at 10.30 and I'm like, my gosh, this thing doesn't start till noon. Like, like it is thousands of people already there lined up on the side because like there's this great view from behind the goalpost. I don't know if you've seen that on TV, but there's this cool little level plot, stop, spot where you can stand and like, yeah, it's amazing view. And the thing is just massive. And so we walk in, we're there, we're there really early and we get some, what was it? We got the, the, the brisket nachos, man, like only in Texas. You get these nachos, all this brisket on top of it. It was like heart attack in a bowl, but it was... It was good. We, 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 we blessed it though. We pray, and it was in, and, and it was done within the sanctuary. Therefore, it's, it's blessed by the Lord, uh, by Jerry himself. And it's just, it's, it's, it's been anointed and appointed. And we're there, and uh, man, we're enjoying our, we're our brisket tacos. We're having a good time. And it's the place is filling up. And it's like noon, the game's about to start. Pastor Rocky's still going. And, uh,. <laughs> here here he's still going he's going he's, he's just going strong he was hitting hard and so we're like okay uh, all right and so we're watching we're trying to watch city chapel online but we're also at 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 at, at, at that church and and uh, and you know and, and, and the cheerleaders are doing their thing they're all getting ready everybody's hyped they're ready to go and we we're like we're they're getting ready to do the national anthem and there's this, this family this little family comes up it's like a mom and a dad and like two kids and one of the kids is like 11 or 10 years old and he He's bawling. He's crying because we're really pretty high up. I don't know if you've ever been there, but we're like on level four of four levels. So we were at the top, but there really is, like they say, there's not a bad seat in the place. Like there's really not. You can see so well. And the reason is because it's so steep. So it doesn't spread out. The seats don't spread out like that. They kind of go up like a really steep bowl or, or a glass, really. So you're, you're looking down. So you can see really, really well. See the plays, all that kind of stuff. But if you're afraid of heights... It's kind of not a great place to be sitting, you know what I'm saying? So this poor little kid, he's obviously afraid of heights, and he is like, he is trying to grab a hold of chairs and stuff, and, and his parents are like, oh, and he's like, I mean, he's like shaking, crying, and we're like, oh, should he, like, is he, is he being, is he being kidnapped? Like, what's going on? And, you know, because you don't know what's happening around here. And so he sits down, and then they're like, all right, I'll rise for the, you know, because you don't want to be the unpatriotic douche. And he's like, oh, no. And, 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 and this kid's not, <laughs> oops, sorry. This, this, this kid's not, he's not getting up. That was, that, was, that was a quote from Nacho Libre. He's a real... Anyway, I love that movie. So anyway, this kid's not standing up. And his dad's trying to get him stand up because you're supposed to stand for the national anthem or you're, or you're a heretic. And, and you know, within, within the church, it's a really important moment in Jerry World. And so he doesn't stand up because the kid's just grabbing a hold of the thing. And I, and I, and I, and I nudge Pete and I'm like, I wonder if I just kind of like kicked him a little bit. 
These are all the things that go through my mind that I don't do, but I think about. So I like, that'd be kind of funny. But it is like, I mean, you're like looking down and it's like, oh my goodness, wow. And, 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 and yet, man, and I was thinking, my goodness. And they, they, they never took the kid out. They never, like, they, I mean, they, they, were, they were trying to comfort him, you know, but like, you're here. Like, we're, we're here. We made it here. We are here. You're sitting down. We're going to, and I just thought, my goodness, like, one, how in the world do you get people to show up on time? Thousands, tens of thousands. I'm like, man, every, every, every Sunday, I'm trying to get folks to get to 10, 10 a.m. Do you think you could do that? Do you think you could show? You know, I don't, I don't know. It's kind of cold out today. I just, uh, yeah. So I'm thinking, what are, what, what are these, what are, like, what is this church doing that our church is not doing? Do I need to like wear some tights? Is this what this, that, that, that's the secret. I need some leotard, like I need to get some tights going. <laughs> the whole worship team, we, we need some unnecessary roughness or something. I mean, <laughs> cheerleaders, no, that is of the devil. I rebuke that. I, re, I rebuke that. Although Jerry would suggest that. I think Jerry would. But I'm like, man, what in the world? Because they're all, like, and they're not just, they didn't just, like, roll out of bed and just sit there. They're ready. Like, they're pumped. They're excited about their team. They're ready to boo me because I'm wearing Detroit Lions gear, you know. They're like, Arr. I mean, it's not even like we're going to win, but whatever. I mean, okay. But they're, they're just, like, they're, like they're, they're ferocious. They're ready. Like, let's go, Cowboys. And, and, like, they start naming all their stars, you know, all two of them. And it's like, oh, wow, this is... Yeah, it's a little dig. But, you know, they start naming all the stars. They're pumped about it. And I'm like, my goodness. And, 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 and then, like, like, literally, at City Chapel, if somebody walked in, their kid wasn't having, like, the most wonderful time in the world, they'd probably walk back out. They're not going to be like, well, you're going to sit right here and risk your life, all right? I know. You could fall down there, lose your limbs. It'd be a bad deal, but you're going to sit here. Like, no, they'd be like, I'm so embarrassed. We got to go home. It's like, they, they, they weren't embarrassed. He was just crying. He figured it out, you know, and he did. By the second half, he was, he was just whimpering, you know, just kind of quivering. He still wasn't moving, but he's, he's there. So look, so look, so here's my, here, here's my lighthearted way of ending today's sermon. This is, this is the crowd, all right? This is the multitude. That's us. We got people here from all walks of life. We got folks from Judea, uh, from Judea, from Galilee. We got some religious people that have been around this church and this ministry actually for a long time. You got a lot of knowledge, like you've read the Bible a lot. Some people never read the Bible. You don't even know. Uh, I'm, I'm talking about different things and you're like, I've never heard of that. And that's fine. God, God wants all those people. God wants all those people gathered around him. But here's, here's the secret. If you want to make it successful for you, if you don't want to waste your time, number one, get ready. Like, like when we went up to Jerry World, um, we left. I don't, it was still dark out. It was like 6.30 or something like that. Um, because, shocker, there's traffic between here and Dallas. Yeah. And there's traffic in Austin too. So just FYI, I, 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 I know you don't know that, but you know, so just, just, just so you know, but no, it takes some preparation. 
Like if, you, if, if your kids have ever played in some kind of sport, some kind of organized sport, the night before they're getting prepared, right? They're not running around like five minutes before you're supposed to leave like, where are my cleats? Where are my cleats? I don't know, dude, you're wearing sandals then, I guess. You're wearing flip-flops, like we're going, right? Like, 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 like the, the, the level of preparation, for instance, just last night, last night, Micah before bed, Micah said, Dad, do you want me to wear nice clothes tomorrow or like regular clothes? Because he would like to just roll out of bed every Sunday and just show up looking really sloppy. And I've told him that's fine because, you know, it, I don't want to make it a religious thing. It's not about that. But every, like once in a while, like once a month, wear something nice. And so he usually asked me, okay, so is this the Sunday where I wear something nice? So if, he, if you see Micah running around something, I haven't even seen him today. If he's, is he wearing something nice? All right, be sure to give him a compliment. Say, you're looking good, bro. But, you know, because, I, because, because, because it's preparation. Because it's not just, you're not just rolling out of bed. And why is he asking me on Saturday night? Because he's preparing. He's got a big game in the morning. God's going to do some awesome things. His presence is going to show up. We're going to, apparently, Pastor Harry's going to sing some song and not get most of the notes right, but God's going to show up. <laughs> like, that's, that's better than Micah Parsons showing up. He's a Dallas Cowboy player, for those of you that are not in the know, bro. I'll just let you know. He's, he's a good one, too. He's, he's one of the best. But I'm, I'm saying, like, when Jesus shows up, that's, that, that, that's what we need. I'll leave Jerusalem for him. I'll leave the lions for him. I'll leave the cowboys for him. Like he's, he's valuable. His presence is valuable. It changes things. It, it shifts the atmosphere. It changes, renews my mind. It makes my week entirely different than it would have been otherwise. So I got a big game in the morning. So I got to get ready. I got to get my clothes out beforehand, right? I got I to set my alarm as it, because I know I'm going to turn it on. I'm going to snooze five times. So I got to back it up. Right? You got to withdraw every once in a while. If you know you're going to snooze five times, set it earlier. That's how that works. No, but it, it, you say, well, I, I don't want to do that. I just want to come whenever I want to come. Okay, okay, cool. But, but you're not going to get what you're wanting. The ones who got from Jesus what they wanted, man, they came ready. My guess is they were there relatively early. So I would encourage you to do that. And, and, and I know stuff comes up and everything. And this is not a condemnation. This is an encouragement. This is, a, this is, a, this, this is how it happens. You, you show, you get ready, you come early. And when you're here, you lean in. Yeah. You press in. Yeah. I don't really like that song. Okay, fine. That's cool. Because me neither. I'm just singing it, all right? I don't know. It, 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 it's not about the song. <laughs> Half the songs, I don't listen to them on a regular time anyway. I, it's not my go-to. But it's not about my enjoyment. I am, I'm worshiping somebody else. <laughs> I'm not, it's not me. This isn't for me. I'm here to lean in. I'm here to connect with God. I'm here to connect with others. I'm here to get out of my comfort zone and pray for somebody and shake somebody's hand and hug somebody's neck. Like I'm, I'm, I'm here to, 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 to lean in. And so whatever I need to do, that's what I'm, I'm, I'm going to lean in right now. And I'm going to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to be sensitive to what he says. Maybe you might not be a part of the prayer team, but, but you're able, you're able to pray for somebody, right? You, 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 you have authority to, I, I just knight you right now. You have <laughs> from the, 
from the holy sepulcher of the one star. I, I, I have been there to the, to the, to the, I have been, I have been there. And I have the authority to just knight you. Just go for it. Pray for somebody. Come early, 920, man. We gather right over there and the prayer team prays. And it's not just prayer team. It's open to everybody. Everybody who's hungry, everybody who's thirsty, everybody who wants more of God. You're, 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 you're welcome to press in. So those are my three points. Get ready, come early, press in. There you go. All right, anybody ready? Awesome, awesome. So have a wonderful day. May the Lord bless his anointed cowboys in their endeavors today. I think they got it. I don't think they even need that. It's all good. I'll be praying for the lions, though. That the Lord will bless them and help them out. Uh, but anyway, we're glad that you all came to church. Thank you for pressing in. Thank you for leaning in. And I pray that his presence go with you. And I pray that his, his, his face goes before you. And that he opens up a way for you. And that he deals with your enemies. And that he causes your path to succeed. Everything you put your hand to do, that it would be blessed in Jesus' name. All right, you're dismissed. Have a great week.